And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. This past weekend of NEC Football was really a statement Saturday. We had all eight teams going head-to-head in conference matchups. All four games were conference games. And so the top teams that have championship aspirations were all trying to prove that they are the top teams and trying to send a message to the rest of the league. Well, some of the teams who you know, maybe not had the great start they hoped, trying to turn things around. So we're fully immersed in fall. There's only four weeks of the football season left. The championship picture is starting to come into focus. It's pretty tough. It's a pretty fun time to be an NEC football fan right now, to be honest with you. So let's talk about it. Here are this week's top headlines. We start with our pick six. Well, we start with a wild one in the Berg, on the bluff, with the Yinzers. As the reigning and defending NEC champion St. Francis Red Flash took on the currently unbeaten unbeaten and first place Duquesne Dukes in front of over 3,000 fans at Rooney Field, the largest Duquesne home crowd since 2007. Duquesne, in front of those 3,000 fans, got off to a great start. They were up 10-7 going into the final two and a half minutes of the first half, and then things just went wild. Darius Parentis threw his second touchdown pass of the day to Daryl Powell Jr. from 29 yards out to put the Dukes up by 10, 17-7. Then after a quick three and out on the defensive side, the Duquesne offense got the football back, and Parentis threw deep down the middle of the field, connecting with Joey Isabella, who fought off two defenders and then ran the rest of the way to the house, 69 yards in all for the quick strike touchdown. Then on the next series, Sacred Art would fumble the football and it would get scooped up by Tim Lowry for a 15-yard fumble return touchdown just before the end of the half. So it went from 10-7 Duquesne with two and a half to go to 31 to 7 Duquesne all that scoring in just under two and a half minutes going into the second half Duquesne would then go up 38 to 14 when (laughs) Taj the running back would run it in from four yards out it was all Dukes but they say never count out the heart of a champion and here comes the reigning champion red flash in the fourth quarter with eight minutes and 30 seconds left Mason Imp ran it in from three feet out for a 30 to make it 38 21. Then after five straight runs and an incomplete pass on offense, Duquesne had to punt it back on fourth down to SFU. But on that punt, it would get blocked by Mason Fry and returned 40 yards for a touchdown by Trey McClear, another SFU score. So wait a minute, hold on. You might want to come back from the parking lot. Game's not over yet. 424 to go. It was a 10-point game, 38-28. to Then SFU onside kick attempt, it was recovered by the Dukes. But SFU, they played defense. They used their timeouts. They forced Duquesne into a 38-yard field goal try. That was no good, so it gave SFU the ball down 10 with 2.33 to go. Cole Doyle completed three straight passes. He ran it for 23 yards. He had a very good day rushing the football. And then he capped it all all off with a three-yard touchdown pass to Jaden Ivory. And what do you know? 38-35 with 57 seconds left to go. So, again, onside kick. This time the red flash would recover. Their ball down three. On that drive, costly delay of game penalty on a third and 13 at the 22 five yard penalty made it third and 18 at the 27 so with that penalty they'd eventually have to settle for a fourth down 
and and 18. It was a 45-yard field goal try by Mac Plummer, five yards deeper than maybe what it should have been. It was Mac Plummer for the tie, 45 yards out, and that kick would be no good. Wide to the right, and the Dukes whew, had it all the way. They survive a 22-point ferocious fourth quarter comeback by the reigning champion Red Flash. The Dukes win it 38-35. to Darius Parentis, 13 for 24, 227 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception back-to-back, three touchdown passing games for Parentis, who leads the league in touchdown passes. Cole Doyle, the reigning offensive player of the year in the NEC, he went 15 for 27, 204 yards. He threw a touchdown and a pick, but we mentioned him running 86 rushing yards on the day for Doyle, and Joey Isabella was Parentis's top target. He caught four passes for 116 yards and a score. Big win for Duquesne as they remain unbeaten at the top of the NEC standings, knocking off the reigning champions. Story number two, we look at the Merrimack Warriors who shut out LIU 39 to nothing on Saturday for their third straight win. You know, the Merrimack Warriors, they might have something in Malachi Anthony. Ever since he stepped in as quarterback uh, for the injured McCusker, man, this offense certainly has a spark. Almost like another dimension added to their offensive attack. Malachi Anthony in this game was only five for nine. Three of those five completions, though, went for touchdowns. 182 passing yards. Donovan Wadley only touched the ball three times in this game. All three times were touchdowns. An 83-yard touchdown catch in the first quarter and a 40-yard touchdown catch in the third quarter. And in the middle of that, the third touch, he ran back the opening kickoff of the second half, 90 yards for a touchdown. His second kick return touchdown of the season. So whether it's running, as we saw a couple weeks ago uh, in the Sacred Heart game, receiving, uh, or on special teams, Wadley is a threat to score anywhere on the field anytime he touches the ball. And then you have a game on Saturday where he literally did score from anywhere on the field every time he touched the ball. Agent Zero has been absolutely amazing. Merrimack outgained LIU 398 to 131 in total offense. Now remember the Sharks without Lucas Stanzani since early on in the season. Ethan Greenwood was unavailable as well. So LIU started 17-year-old freshman Chris Howell, who took over against Baylor a few weeks ago. Howell went four for 16 for 48 yards and an interception. Merrimack next faces SFU. So SFU coming off that tough loss. Merrimack coming uh, in with a three-game win streak now. It's an NEC championship game rematch from last year's finale, and it goes down next week. Story number three, the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils earned their first NEC win under head coach Adam Lechtenberg with a 17-3 victory over the Wagner Seahawks. Central Connecticut got all their scoring going in the first half, and they used a spectacular defensive performance to lock things down the rest of the way. After the team's traded field goals in the first quarter, Central quarterback Matt Jenner got the Blue Devils the lead on a nine-yard touchdown to Isaiah Williams following a five-play, 75-yard, two-minute, 11-second drive. Two long passes to Naj Johnson during that drive. Gains of 26 and 30 yards would be the key to getting the ball downfield in the blink of an eye. Then in the second quarter, it was Jenner to Williams again. A 12-yard touchdown this time to make it 17-3. to Meanwhile, on the defensive end, the Blue Devils held the Seahawks to under 300 yards of offense and only 108 yards of offense in the second half. 
Wagner was only one for 11 on third down. They couldn't keep their offense on the field. And when they were on the field, the Blue Devils forced turnovers three times. Two of them were interceptions by Kamal Clark, who leads the NEC with three overall on the year. By the way, the Blue Devils had five sacks in this game as well. The Blue Devils, they held the Seahawks out of the end zone. They won against Wagner for the sixth straight meeting. And now Central has a short week. They play on Thursday night, trying to make it two in a row. They host LIU for NEC's Thursday night football on the CBS Sports Network. And of course, we'll have more on that game coming up later in the show. Finally, we had a double overtime affair in Easton, Massachusetts, as Stonehill upended Sacred Heart 22-19. to Trailing the Pioneers by six in the fourth quarter, Stonehill quarterback Asher Karaha completed a 41-yard touchdown to Noah Canty. The extra point, though, was no good, and so the score was tied at 16. We would go to overtime. In the first overtime, Stonehill got the ball first and had a touchdown called back, nullified by an offensive passing interference call. They eventually had a fourth and long. They had to go for it as they were uh, on, the, uh, on the brink of field goal range, but they had to go for it on fourth down. And they came up empty. So Sacred Heart takes over. All they need is a field goal. Sam Renzi would come in and he would miss a 40-yarder that would have put the game away for the Pioneers. And so we remain tied at 16 going into the second overtime. In double OT, Renzi would finally make good a 25-yard field goal to put the Pioneers up 19-16. Stonehill, one last chance. And they'd give it to Jermaine Corbett. After missing two games due to injury, Corbett was back on Saturday and he made up for lost time. 33 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns, and the second one was a game-winning five-yard walk-off touchdown run in the second overtime to clinch the win for the Skyhawks, 22-19. to Stonehill now 5-1 and one in overtime games under head coach Eli Gardner. Corbett retakes the NEC lead now with two rushing scores. He's up to seven on the season, and he stays ahead of the pace that he talked about with us here on the show when he, when he was our special guest earlier this year. He said he was going to have more rushing touchdowns this year than Saquon Barkley, the guy who he's a big fan of as a New York Giants fan looking up to. Well, right now he's making good on that claim here on this show as he's out rushing touchdowning Saquon 7-1. to one. So we'll see if that pace can, uh, can keep up. Good to see Corbett back back in the end zone and the walk-off game winner on Saturday in double overtime for Stonehill. We do want to mention that this is a an historic and exciting week of television for the Northeast Conference coming up as we have a primetime TV game on Thursday night on CBS Sports Network, our second one of the year. And then we turn it right around on Saturday afternoon, a Saturday afternoon game on ESPN Plus featuring a great rivalry between two of the NEC's historically premier programs, title contenders year in and year out, it seems. So that's two games in the span of three days for Paul Dottino. This weekend must be like Christmas. Uh, Tons of football. It is going to be absolutely incredible. Just park yourself on the couch and watch NEC football. Remember, though, we have one more NEC TV game coming up after this weekend, and that will be a wild card game with playoff or championship implications, and that will take place either on November 11th or the 18th. I will say that that Merrimack-Duquesne game on the final day of the season on the 18th, that's looking pretty juicy right now, but still lots of football to go before any official wild card broadcast announcement is made, but something certainly to keep an eye on as we go into a big week of NEC television coming up here this weekend. 
So let's take a look at the NEC standings. They have Duquesne on top as the lone remaining unbeaten at 3-0. Merrimack's right there in second with one conference loss. Stonehill, St. Francis, Wagner, all 2-2. Two and two. Central and LIU are 1-2, and two, and they go head-to-head on Thursday night. And then Sacred Heart in a rare position at the bottom of the standings at 1-4. and four. Now, including this weekend coming up, we have four weekends of NEC football left to decide a champion and a league representative into the FCS playoffs. It's now time for our top three stars of the week. And we hate doing this, but this week we're, we're cheating a little bit. We have a tie for third. So we're sneaking in a fourth star. Uh, one of our number three stars this week is central Connecticut state defensive back. Kamal Clark Clark was the named the NEC defensive player of the week this week after picking up a pair of interceptions on Saturday against Wagner one in the first half one in the second half Clark now leads the NEC with three picks on the year uh, to go with the one he had two games ago against Delaware state. Our other number three star is Merrimack wide receiver kick returner running back. Mr. All-Purpose, Agent Zero, he does it all, Donovan Wadley. I saw him with my own eyes a few weeks ago broadcasting the Merrimack-Stonehill game. Agent Zero is fast, and all he does is make touchdowns. Listen, I think if we we were racing in a 40-yard dash and he spotted me 30 yards, I still think he'd probably win. And and I and I'm pretty fast. I I I I can run. I was the fastest person on my high school tennis team, so I, I can run pretty fast. But if he spotted me 30 yards, I'm sure he'd probably still win. Against the Sharks, he only had two catches for 123 yards, and both of those catches went for touchdowns. One for 83, one for 40. And by the way, he had a 90-yard kick return touchdown to start the second half. On top of it, so the grand total for Saturday's action: three touches. Three touchdowns, 213 all-purpose yards. Not a bad Saturday afternoon. Our number two star of the week is Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett after missing a couple games due to injury. What a grand return Corbett made to the field on Saturday, leading Stonehill to that overtime victory over Sacred Heart. The senior had 33 carries for 146 yards and two scores, including the game-winning five-yard touchdown in the bonus session. Corbett still leads the NEC with seven rushing touchdowns and is back in the race for the rushing title, currently top three in the league in rushing yards on the season. But our top star, number one, is Duquesne quarterback Darius Parentes. In the biggest game of the week, and on our scale here for top stars, you get bonus points for being the biggest star in the biggest game. The Duquesne junior quarterback came up big against the reigning champions, going 13 for 24, 227 yards, three touchdowns, his second straight Three touchdown passing game to help lead the Dukes to victory over SFU. Again, Parentis has thrown three touchdowns back-to-back weeks, and he leads the league now with 14 total touchdown passes on the season. Parentis, our top star of the week here this week, and another one of our top stars is set to join us as our special guest as we welcome in Central Connecticut State defensive back Kamal Clark. Up next here on NEC Football on the Run, it is time for our weekly chat. And today we are joined by one of our top stars and the NEC Defensive Player of the Week. It's a sophomore from the secondary from the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils. It's Kamal Clark. Kamal, thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on this short week. Thank you for having me, man. It's a blessing. 
And let, let's go back to just, you know, last week, we mentioned defensive player of the week, two interceptions in the game against Wagner. So take us through those picks. What what were you seeing? What were what was going on that kind of led to those turnovers? One in the first half, one in the second half. Um, the first one, um, you know, I, I was rolling to the post and my linebacker, he just he was doing his job. He was triggering on the QB and he put his hand up. I saw the ball going up. I'm like, oh, man, it's my time to shine. Can't let this one fall. I got it, tried getting some yards, went out of bounds. And then the second one, um, we, we've been working all week. Coach DeGravio, he, he's been telling us about this high play, this high play, this high play. So I see the formation. I'm like, nah, this can't be the high play. And as he goes in motion, I go with him. Quarterback throws it. And um, the receiver, he tries to tip it to himself. And as he's stepping, I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to go up and get this one. Two is amazing. Two-on-one game is just, wow, this – and, and that's a great breakdown. And I love that you were kind of giving some shout outs to the linebacker, to your coaches, because it really was, it wasn't just you. It was a great team defensive yeah. performance um, held Wagner, I think to a field goal, one for 11 on third down under 300 yards. So, you know, g g give some more shout outs, you know, who, who were some of the guys on defense that kind of helped you put up such a great performance? On Saturday? I, I named the whole defense. So you didn't totally <laughs> uh, Ahmad Craig, Clifton Thompson, Sherrod Watkins. He, Sherrod had um an amazing tackle. He uh he lifted one of the running backs off his feet, you know, and the, the rest of the defense kind of saved the running back by coming in. You know, if, if we didn't come in, Sherrod would have had that kid going up. Uh Harold Miles, he's doing a great job. And uh the guy that tipped the ball for me, uh Jack, Jack Stoll, he tipped the ball, got me my first interception of that game. And then our, our corners, they they just make my job so easy at safety. You don't hear a lot of safety say that about their corners, about making their job easy. But my guys, yes, they do. Uh, Gavin Bryson, Tyler Bowright, Kristen Hernandez. And then on the other end of the safety group, oh, my goodness, I'm playing with probably the best player I've played with my entire life, Tadrius Baltimore. He's played wow. corner for us, outside linebacker, now in safety. He's just a true ball player. And playing with those guys, it just it makes the defense fun. It makes playing ball fun. It's, it's amazing playing with them. Do, do you guys feel like it's all coming together right now at the, at the perfect time, right as you get towards the stretch run here of the season? Oh, yeah, cer certainly. We, we had um a, a pretty difficult schedule, I'll say, uh, playing Kent State, you know, and we're we're in the Kent State game, and it's just like we're in it with them. Right. So that, that's telling us that, like, we can play with anyone. Then we come into conference. We had a little rocky start. But then Wagner week is just – it's like the defense clicked. It's like we're shooting on all cylinders again like we were week one. And it's just it, it all falls back onto the coaching, Coach Leg, Coach DeGravio, them preparing us for what we have to do coming into that week, the mindset. And this is something they've been saying all week, uh, this week, weeks before that, playing with an edge. And when we played Wagner, I seen that our defense had an edge and it was amazing. And now the question is, you know, on a short week, can you kind of keep that momentum going? We know that, you know, on these short weeks, you kind of have to, you know, shorten everything and jam everything into a short amount of time. So take us kind of behind, not too behind the scenes. We don't want to allow you yeah, to get ready this. But, won't tell you know, no secrets. <laughs> I promise that. I won't tell well, no secrets. Well, what, what, what's kind of been, you know, kind of the the challenges of kind of getting everything you need to do to get ready for the game into a short amount of time? Um, I won't call anything any challenges because um. You know, this is what guys at the next level do, and a lot of guys on the team want to play at the next level. So short weeks are something that we're going to have to adapt to. But Coach Select has did a great job preparation-wise, you know, just getting our bodies ready for playing Thursday. Like, Because usually for me, uh, I won't be healthy fully until Thursday to play wow. on the Saturday game. 
but just the way we went about this week, you know, just we, we weren't in any shoulder pads this week. So everything was non-contact. We just getting our bodies ready, you know, to play on Thursday. And that that was amazing. Like my good. body feels as good as it can going into what this is week nine. Yep. Going into week nine, my body feels amazing. It's all about being smart and managing, you know, along the way, right? It's a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Now let's kind of go way back in time. Uh, you know, when you were younger, you know, how was it that you kind of fell in love with the game of football and fell in love with kind of playing defense? Um, I was I was a bad kid growing up. Like I, I just I like getting in trouble, you know, just all the normal kid stuff. Not nothing too extreme. Okay. Nothing too extreme. You know, but then uh my dad, he put me into football. I didn't like it at first. I was a crybaby. I didn't I didn't want to be out there. You know, I'm from Buffalo and it gets cold. It gets cold during football season. So I did not like it at all. But like as I started going on, it was amazing. My uh my high school head coach, Jerry Smith, shout out to him. He just um his mind for the game helped me develop a love that no one can understand. Like besides football players, like the love that I've came to grow over this game, you know, just playing defense. My first time playing defense was on um, my senior year in high school. Wow. And once I switched to defense, uh, not defense, but safety, it was just like, oh, man, like, I, I could really do this at the you next level. You knew that was for you, right? Yeah. So it was amazing. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great story. Um, and, and you know, looking ahead to, you know, this game on Thursday, CBS Sports Network, really excited about it here at the Northeast Conference. It's our second CBS Sports Network game of the season, uh, taking on the LIU Sharks. They're coming to to town and to take on Central Connecticut and New Britain. What what are some of the, the big challenges that you've seen on tape looking at this LIU team? Uh, looking at tape, they uh, they have an amazing tight end. You know, he's uh, he's pretty good at what he does. They like giving him the ball. So it's going to be hard, you know, trying to match up with him because I'll be with him most of the game. You know, it's just their, their receiving core is pretty decent. They uh, they they have a QB that I actually played in uh, high school one time. Wow. I picked him off. So hopefully there he throws me another one if he likes that, me. That could be a good sign. Yeah, hopefully he throws me another one. So, yeah, it's just like their, their team is a pretty good team, but I'm taking my guys nine times out of ten. But I'm taking my guys ten times out of ten. It's going to be a fun matchup to watch. We're looking forward to it on Thursday night. So, so it's time for the final five. These are quick hitters. So the first thing that comes to mind, just let it out. All right. Yep. All right. Favorite color. Red. Would you rather watch a scary movie or read a scary book? Can I, can I go with neither? I, I, I hate scary things. Ooh, okay. Scary movies and scary books. They scare me. Okay. <laughs> All right. F favorite uh, snack or junk food? Uh, I'm gonna have to go Skittles. Gotta go Skittles. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, what is the your your favorite song that gets you pumped up on game day? Favorite song that probably gets me pumped up is uh, "Dreams and Nightmares" by Meek Mill. It's just okay. it fires me on all cylinders, and I'm I'm ready to go to war. I I know Meek Mill. I got that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, and then the last question: uh, If we asked your teammates, kind of surveyed them, uh, you know, a word or phrase that would describe you, what is the word or phrase do you think that they would say? Um, I'd probably say that. I'm, I'm quiet until game time. Once game time comes, oh, th there's no stopping me. I'm, I'm talking to everyone. I'm talking to coaches. I'm, I'm making friends with the refs. Um, it's it's amazing playing the game. It's like it gets, your alter ego, right? Yeah, it just it, it gets me caught up right now, just thinking about playing on Thursday. Well, the good news is, well, there's only a couple more hours left. You don't have to wait oh, yeah. that long. It's a short week. We're looking forward to it. Best of luck Thursday night against LIU.
Thank you. Be sure to check out Kamal and the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils taking on the LIU Sharks Thursday, 7 p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. And be sure to check out the full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. And now for today's stat chat, we're going to look at the nation's all-purpose yards leaderboard. And if you look at this all-purpose yards leaderboard, you'll, you'll find something quite interesting. There is only one team in the entire nation that has two players in the top 22 in the all-purpose yards leaderboard. So two players, top 22 in the country with all-purpose yards, both those players coming from the same team. There is only one team that can claim that, and that's the Merrimack Warriors. Two players in the top 22 all-purpose. Ty Edmonds Jr. currently number 11 in the country, averaging 136 all-purpose yards per game. And then we have Mr. All-Purpose, Mr. Agent Zero, Donovan Wadley. He's right at number 22, 119.7 yards per game. And by the way, a little bonus stat chat. Speaking of Wadley, he's only one of three players in the entire country who have multiple kick return touchdowns this year. So it's been proven the Merrimack Warriors have players racking up yards. They're the only team with two of the top 22 in the entire country in total yards that eye-popping factoid this week's stat chat. Now, once again, all eight NEC teams will be in action this upcoming week. Four head-to-head conference battles, including not one, but two national TV broadcasts. So let's check out what's coming up this week on TAP. The fun starts Thursday night under the lights at a root field for the second CBS Sports Network Thursday night football showcase game between the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils and the LIU Sharks. Kamal Clark told us earlier here in the show that the Central Connecticut State defense might just be hitting their stride right now at the perfect time. They're coming off a solid outing against Wagner on Saturday, allowing less than 300 yards, holding Wagner to just one for 11 on third down, collecting five sacks and creating multiple takeaways. Central Connecticut is actually plus nine in the turnover differential over their last three games. And while this might be the ultimate announcer's jinx, sorry, Blue Devils, I do have to say Central has not committed a turnover in the last 185 minutes and 54 seconds of game action. Now on the other side, LIU still has Lucas Stanzani battling the shoulder injury that's kept him out since the beginning of the season. They've been working their way through several backup quarterback options, trying to find uh, a, a true number one um, LIU has won two out of the last three meetings between these two schools, including 29 to 20 last year in Brookville, New York. And it was actually a turnover. That was a huge key in that game. Central recovered an onside kick with a minute to go just down two points, but then they threw a pick six LIU sealed the game with the interception return touchdown and ended up winning by nine. So will turnovers once again, be a factor coming up on Thursday night on the short week. And I also agree with what Kamal said that the Central Connecticut State secondary against Owen Glasgow, the LIU tight end, that will be a fun matchup to watch. LIU, remember, won their lone conference game this year against Sacred Heart when they got the ball to Glasgow and they got creative. He got two touchdown catches and he also threw for a touchdown down at the goal line. LIU's run defense, we should mention, has been pretty solid. They just held Ty Edmonds Jr., the NEC's leading rusher, to only 
only 107 yards and he's averaging 125 so below his season average now they get to challenge the NEC's number two rusher in Elijah Howard and the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils who almost ran for 500 yards a couple weeks ago against Delaware State so should be a fun matchup you could check it out Thursday night prime time 7 p.m on the CBS Sports Network then Saturday at 1, we start with Merrimack and St. Francis, a rematch of last year's championship game. If you remember, both teams went into that final week's matchup in Massachusetts undefeated with the conference title on the line. SFU, though, had already sewn up the automatic bid to the playoffs. This year, the story is a little bit different. St. Francis comes in not undefeated. They come in with two conference losses, just seeing their comeback effort fall short last week to Duquesne. Now, Merrimack, they come in right now playing their best ball of the season, winners of three in a row. They're three and one, a half game behind Duquesne in the standings. Now, we know Merrimack, since the start of this year, they already had one of the best defenses in the in the not just the NEC, but the entire country. They're ninth in all of FCS in scoring defense. We knew they already had one of the best run games. At one point, their entire offense was primarily rushing the football this year as they couldn't really get anything going in the passing game. Edmonds Jr. is sixth in the FCS in rushing yards per game. So we knew they already had a defense. We knew they had a run game. But now you add in some dynamic playmakers that they've just found in the middle part of the season here. Donovan Wadley, triple threat, running, passing, special teams, and Malachi Anthony has made this offense a little less one-dimensional. You kind of have to account for him making some big plays in the passing game downfield. Something else for defenses to, to kind of think about that can't just you know come up, pack the box, and stop the run. Now they have to think about big plays downfield. It's a new weapon added to the mix at the right time for the Merrimack Warriors. Now, SFU, they hope they can continue some of the momentum that they got for those last eight and a half minutes in the in the fourth quarter there. They took a 38-14 to 14 deficit, and they made it 38-35 with a chance to tie the game on a field goal right at the end. St. Francis, we should say, they've never lost to Merrimack, and quite frankly, the three meetings they have had uh, haven't really been that close. Um, Merrimack... Well, our SFU won 42 to 24 back in 2019 and 22 to six in 2021. And of course it was 52 to 23 last year for the championship. Cole Doyle had 411 yards passing and five touchdowns in that game. So noon NEC. So should be a good one. That is coming up at 1 PM on NEC front row. And then at noon on NEC front row, our third game of the week, it'll be Wagner taking on Stonehill. Stonehill looking to win back-to-back -back conference games for the first time since joining the league last year while Wagner tries to shake off a season-long three-game skid. Stonehill beat Wagner 50-10 to last year in Massachusetts. In that game, Jermaine Corbin went off 227 yards and three touchdowns. After missing back-to-back -back games this year, he showed little signs of rust in his return so we'll see if he can come up with a similar big outing against a Wagner rush defense that's giving up 200 rushing yards per game last in the Northeast Conference. And finally, Saturday afternoon at noon on ESPN+. Plus, It's our second TV game of the week. The first place unbeaten in conference, Duquesne Dukes taking on their rivals, the Sacred Heart Pioneers. Duquesne was the last team to get started in conference play, but now it looks like they might end up as the last team standing. Their 3-0 start is their best in league play since their 4-0 record in the spring of 2021 to get to a championship game. 
which was against Sacred Heart, which the Pioneers won at Rooney Field 34 to 27 in overtime. In fact, two of the last three meetings between these schools have gone to over overtime, including last year, which was a Duquesne win 35 to 28 on a Billy Lucas touchdown. Duquesne's offense is looking incredible. They're averaging 37 points per game and 475 yards of offense against NEC teams, an offense led by quarterback Darius Parentes, who's 13th in FCS with 14 touchdowns. The offensive line, they've only allowed three sacks in conference play. Well, Sacred Heart, on the other hand, they are number one defensively with sacks, with nine. So the battle of the trenches right there, something's got to give. And there may lie Sacred Heart's best chance to come up and win this game on defense, pressuring the quarterback, forcing turnovers, and then on the other side, running the football effectively, ball control, time of possession advantage. If Sacred Heart can do that, this could be a very interesting ball game. Now, three of Duquesne's four, final four NEC games this year will be on the road, so uh, the road to the title for the Dukes literally may be on the road so their first test in that gauntlet will be saturday noon espn plus in fairfield against the sacred art pioneers and that'll just about do it for this week's episode everybody enjoy the games again park yourself on the couch enjoy it plenty of great nec football on tv and nec front row this weekend and until next time i'm craig D'Amico. this has been nec football on the run